This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. In five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. Welcome to the Pro Audio Suite, a podcast for audio and voiceover professionals. Don't forget to check us out on our Facebook, the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Now let's get on with the show. From Los Angeles, George Witham. From Chicago, Robert Marshall. From Sydney, Australia, Robbo. And from sunny Melbourne, Andrew Peters. This is the Pro Audio Suite. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. This week we have a special guest, Scott Rummel. How are you, Scott? Doing great. How are you guys today? Good. Now, I I know you're sitting on George's knee in your studio. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's not that small. (laughs) (laughs) They're drinking Pims. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I think they're drinking IPA, but that's another story. Um, now, we were talking before we started the show about uh, working remotely, and uh, you were telling the story about how you got into uh, your home studio. Yes. Well, my, my drive from Orange County to LA, it's about 30 miles. You know, toward the end of my time in LA, I was doing 40,000 miles a year on my car. Because I would start my day in Burbank, then go over to CBS and Santa Monica to do a commercial, and I just was done with it. So I I worked a lot at a studio called Wood Holly, which was kind of the epicenter of trailer and promo in Hollywood. And I used to see Don LaFontaine every day, pretty much, that I was there, because we were both in and out of there. And uh, I love seeing Don. And so I I said to the studio manager, I said, hey, where's Don been? Thinking he was on vacation. She goes, oh, he's working from home. And I said, what about the limo? She said, yeah, no more limo. And a light bulb went on in my head. And I was like, well, if Don's working from home, then I, I could work from home. So we set up my studio with the ISDN and everything. And then um, I called my agent and I said, hey, I'm not coming back to L.A. And he said, what do you mean? I said, yeah, I'm working from home now. He goes, dude, that's a horrible decision. You're going to lose business. I said, yeah, I don't think so. And uh, he said, well, what if you know ABC or CBS doesn't want you to work from home? I said, well, I'm not driving to L.A. anymore, so that's the deal. <laughs> and wow. You put your foot down. And that was true. And wow. uh, everybody was... Totally fine with it. <clears throat> and my work increased drastically yeah. because I wasn't huh. at the mercy of traffic. Right. And people had access to me. You were more reliably available. Totally. They knew when you were going to be available. It was like no question. Yeah. And the commute down the stairs was a lot easier than the commute <laughs> to L.A. So nobody had to wait for me, and people were happy about that. And so I think Hal Douglas was working from his home studio first, then Don did it, and then I believe it was me, then maybe Ashton Smith, and... Bo Weaver's in there somewhere. Yeah, Bo, Bo Weaver was in there, but I, I think to make the jump to full-time... I, I literally right. was one of the very first, and um, mm-hmm. it's good and bad. Uh, I miss seeing my buddies around. What we used to say, "See you around campus," which was could all be anywhere. LA, right? Yeah, it was all, all of LA studio zone. You know, we'd see it at a casting place or a studio or at you know Disney or wherever. 
but it made my life just a lot better. Spending time, more time with the family and, and uh, just was great taking that traffic out of it. I felt uh, my sessions were better because I wasn't so stressed. And so working from home was awesome. And um, I didn't think that I would be a pioneer in this or put George to work full time. Um, <laughs> that's what you guys don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a new job. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but, you know, it became this thing. And now it's funny because if I'm in LA for an event or a Laker game or something and ABC needs me, exactly. I go over there. They literally have to take boxes out of their booth and storage out of their booth so I can sit in there. Yeah, wow. Because they n- nobody uses their booth anymore. And um, and that was the other thing, too. Uh, Liz from ABC, she's a story engineer. She literally was the first person to use the 416 microphone for voiceover. She was Ernie Anderson's recording engineer. Ernie did not want to go in the booth anymore. There's he was, lots he was of- the love boat. Yeah, 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 famous yeah. on the love. I know this show. story. Yeah, it's a great right. story. Yeah, so um, she did all these tests with different mics. And I didn't they, know that was Liz. This is cool here yeah. because I've heard so many pieces of this story. Yeah, I haven't heard this. So yeah, it was Liz, and Liz told me the whole story. She set up a bunch of different mics right there at the console, and the one that was awesome was the 416 and then what she realized was not only was it a great mic because ernie was working on a u87 in the booth i think and then um not only was it great for proximity and not hearing room noise but it cut through better than the u87 on the promos and and then before you knew it, was it was a happy accident. Kind of, it was a happy accident, and you know, like I was just up in Eugene, Oregon, and I had a session that I had to run to, and I was already checked out of my hotel room. I go to this little studio in Eugene, Oregon, and I had a Disney session, and the guy has an Avalon preamp into a four sixteen. He has even, my even vocal, Eugene. yeah, at a house in Eugene. Huh. And I was just thinking, Liz started all of that. But <laughs> that's, <cool. laughs> that's anyway, that's that's my story of how I came home to work, and and it's been, you know, now it's been, well, it's been almost another eighteen years. I spent eighteen years driving, and then eighteen years at home now. Yeah. So obviously, having a home studio has been good business wise. But what are the challenges of having a home studio in terms of running and maintaining it? What what sort of challenges do you run into? Just there? getting a hold of George. <laughs> that's my toughest issue. No, so he's busy awesome. doing podcasts with us. That's why he's too busy. You know, yeah, uh, right. what? You know, it's hard for me to think of a downside, except for as I was thinking about the relationships where we would see all of you know all my buddies around town. Um, it's really there's 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 not a I, I don't think there's a downside to it unless there's something you could could nudge me on that you're I thinking. Can, I can nudge you, definitely. Because okay. I've just I've just done a road trip up to uh, what we call Ayers Rock, Uluru, the big rock in the middle of Australia. And uh, it was a car trip, so it was, um, I think it was about f- 2,000 miles, I guess, there and back. Oh, no, wow. yeah, so 4,000 miles there and back. Jeez, okay. Um, so we were stopping in hotels, motels, and apartments, whatever. So, But the thing is, of course, when you're known for work, re- working remotely... Um, there's an expectation that you're going to be available. 
So therefore, you're taking a road case with you and then you've got the problem of trying to work out how you can make the room sound half decent and the equipment you've got. That's the thing I find difficult. It's the golden handcuffs. So my question is for you, what what do you use when you hit the road? So um, I will tell you that I have um, found, and I travel at least once a month. I'm an empty nester now. And so my wife and I will always be traveling like I'm going to Kauai next week and uh I it this sounds crazy but I have a setup that I use I you know I always get a room that has a desk I take the uh luggage rack I take uh two couch cushions off and I put them on either side I lay a towel on the desk um and then I put a couple of actual sleeping pillows up on the top in a kind of a backward angle so it's not, you know, a perfectly square. Then I I tend to do a test with maybe one of the studios just to uh, make sure that everything's good. And um, I have never had one complaint. And then the other thing, too, is some of my friends were doing sessions from cars because they were telling me, you know, a car is built like a studio. It's built to keep sound out and have beautiful sound inside. And I never did it until I was leaving Lake Tahoe, California, and my agent called me, and I was the voice of the Dunkirk campaign, and I was on the road, and he said, Scott, you have to do a session before you get to the airport. <laughs> and so we pulled over into a camp area, a campsite, <laughs> and I used my hotspot and I did it from a uh, Chevy Suburban. <laughs> and I oh, heard the back seat or? Yeah, I went into the back seat yeah. and I, I recorded it and with my, you know, 416 and everything. And I heard the spot on the air and I was blown away at how great it sounded. I was like, (laughs) and then it makes me think, why did I build this beautiful studio at home? I can just (laughs) just do this from, you know, walk down to the garage. Wherever. Yeah. Right. But I have grown in the very beginning because I'm old school. I um, really kind of fought the whole golden handcuffs thing because I was thinking, gosh, I need to be in my studio. And then, you know, the more I do out of the studio and hear it on the air, um, I'm, I'm pretty good with it. I'm, I'm okay. And the, the trade-off is that freedom, you know, but if you have a hotel room that has one of those little luggage holders and a desk, and a couple of cushions, you can make a pretty good sounding studio. Or I know that probably board. what or an ironing board. That's what I use. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never used. used the ironing board, but because yeah. I, I I have my standard go to. Yeah, you have a go to that. And I take pictures time. in every studio, and I send them out and say, "This is my Napa studio. This is yeah. my <laughs> Dallas studio. This is my New Orleans studio." Yeah. So you've got a you've got a forty one six on the road with you. What <laughs> what else do you what else is in the road kit? So in my road kit, I use something called a USB pre, which is, uh, it's, it's actually the box that the M audio box was built to model after, but it's built like a tank. I mean, it's all metal, real knobs. It's like a nice little piece of gear. Yeah, It's made by sound devices. It's a very pro level piece of gear. Yeah. It's made for road use. It's like maybe 
four and a half inches long and mm-hmm. two inches tall, so mm-hmm. it fits in great. It's a little heavier than some of the ones that are made of plastic. And I bought that probably 15 years ago, and I've just never had a need to to go to something else. It just works. It sounds good. It sounds very much, not perfectly, but it, it mirrors the Avalon, mm-hmm. which is my thing. And it sounds great. And then I've been using a program for the same amount of time called Audio TX. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, I'm Mac-based. So the Audio TX is not, it's Windows-based. So I just have my MacBook Pro and I have Boot Camp and I just go over to that and that's the only program I run on it. And then... Utility, it just does that one thing. Yeah, it's just that. It's like an appliance. Yeah, and it works great. Um, It always sounds great. The thing I like about it is I don't have to have super high-speed internet for it to work awesome. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, so I'm a, if it's not broke, don't fix it guy. Yeah, I agree um, with that. Someday yeah. it'll break, but when he, when it does, I'll be here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's not foreboding. I don't mean that. I just mean... <laughs> He's it, rubbing his hands together right now. Like. <laughs> that is a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe installing Catalina might break that long tradition. Oh, baby. Yeah, Catalina OS. Yeah. yeah. And now we're dealing with a problem in the U.S. with ISDN. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. Mm-hmm. but uh, Where it's being pulled out, yeah. They do not want to continue to support ISDN. So what's crazy is um, at my beach home, I have a studio, and um, I got my bill, and I haven't used that studio for a while because they're rebuilding that house right now. And... Um, this, the the price was $800 for one month oh with not God. one usage. <laughs> AT&T, right? Yeah. It was AT&T. Yeah. And so, uh, guess what? No more ISDN lines at, yeah. uh, at, at Dana Point, California, because, I, you know, that's ridiculous. The other thing, though, is, too, really my only clients now that are doing ISDN are the networks. So like ABC, CBS, Fox. But truthfully, most of the movie trailer stuff that I'm now doing is all just record and send. Mm -hmm. I might have one directed session in the beginning of a campaign, like for Avengers Endgame. I had one recorded session, Mm -hmm. and then I had uh, maybe a hundred (laughs) non-supervised sessions. Is that a trend? I mean, a trend in terms of, it's not, it's, it's, it's just the way it's done now. Yes. And I have a theory and my theory is that the millennials who are now taking over the positions do not want to talk to anybody. (laughs) No. They want to text and email. Right. That's it. They do not want to get the human voice involved. And, and, um, you know, to, to me, it's okay because a lot of the direction I've been getting from the millennials is, um, yeah, that was good. Um, could you do it faster? You know, that's like the number one piece of direction, you know? And so it's a, that is a whole new world where we used to have these directors that were just crazy good, you know, that had a, yeah. a vision. But now the trend is, I would say 90% of my trailer work is done read and send. So that means that the art of trailers, the way you know it, is dead. Because all anybody who wants to get into trailers now 
doesn't have 10 years of experience working with directors anymore. Yeah, and I was so blessed to have some, some of the best directors ever. These guys were really filmmakers, and they had a f- complete vision yeah. that is uh, not what they're doing today. I mean, I think they do have a vision, but what it's caused the voice actor to do is I have to think ahead for them Many times there's not even direction on the copy, mm-hmm. and like I'm doing, um, I'm doing a campaign for Disney now called Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. By the way, I don't say it like that when I'm doing it. <clears throat> <laughs> Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. That's more <laughs> the uh, style. Yeah. But um, we have to do kid spots that are appropriate for the Disney Channel. We have to do very scary spots because they want to get that audience, and then we have to do middle of the road. So I have to make sure that in each file I send that I've covered all of that direction because they may they can't even say it's a kid spot because they may use that same copy, that script, on a scary one. So right. I have to do it all three ways. So I have to kind of think ahead. You're anticipating. That. I'm anticipating that I don't want them to call me back and say, hey, um, could you do this again, but you know, make it more fun or whatever. So... That's just kind of part of my standard operating procedure. Which is a, exactly the same as I do for um, my overseas clients, Singapore and um, the Middle East. So I will always give them three reads. Um, Man, I didn't know that was even a voiceover market. How do I get in there? <laughs> I, I got to take over all that work you've got. Well, I'll tell you what, you get me the trailers over there and I'll give you a... <laughs> we'll do a swap. Um, By the way, you have, a, you have an absolutely gorgeous voice. Oh, thank you very Just much. Just beautiful. We should um, hang out together. I can hear that beautiful chest and nasal resonance, and I'll bet you're, uh, I'll bet you're very busy with what you do over there. Funny you should say that. It, uh, and you know the best thing about how to get really busy is to go away on a road trip. <laughs> book a trip, yeah. You want to get <laughs> busy, book a trip. Oh, it I used to do that. Crazy. I swear to you guys, I used to call my agent in the morning and say, hey, you know what, I'm taking today off. And, and they go, what? Yeah, you can call me if you want to, but I'm, I'm just going to go to the beach today. And literally, that would be a 10-session day. You know, just putting it <laughs> yes. out there, right? Because <laughs> you reached out to them. Now they're now you're like top of mind. Yeah, you're like, oh, but Scott would be perfect. For Imagine that. what would happen then if you turned around and said to your agent, "Hey, listen, I've had to think about it. I'm actually retiring." Yeah. Oh, there we oh, go. Oh man. The other thing I found too, because I did used to take uh, ten days, two weeks off a year from Mike. I, I was off Mike. And whenever I would tell my agents, they would call all my clients, and suddenly there was this huge rush, you know, rush of work, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even though I'm still available, you know, I still tell them, call everybody and tell them I'm going on vacation. Because it tends to really <laughs> increase, you know, they're thinking, it rattles what are we, we going to need loose. Scott for? We're going to need Scott <laughs> yeah. for this, you know? Right, right, right. So, yeah. yeah. I had a classic. I went to, uh, we had a couple of weeks up on Heron Island, which is a remote island on the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, my goodness. So, basically, you've, you've got no telephone, no internet. The only place you could get internet was either a reception or the bar. So, mm-hmm. uh, the day would start, I'd go to the bar uh, in the morning. <laughs> Not for the internet connection, though. <laughs> have a quick gin and tonic for breakfast, no. And I'd um, check my emails, get all the scripts downloaded, go back to the room, record the scripts in the morning, 
And then in the afternoon, if nothing else came in, I'd go back to the bar and then send everything out. And that was the only way I could work. It was so remote. That is really, that's cool. I mean, I think we all have these stories. Um, my Some of my favorite stories is in, uh, I think it was 2016, I was on the Jack Reacher campaign, and I was on this big Royal Caribbean cruise ship. and um, With the rock climbing wall and all that yeah, fun stuff. So great, <laughs> with my whole family. Yeah. And I literally did the majority of the Jack Reacher campaign from the cruise ship, and it was awesome and fine. Well, then, um, I like to sail, and we were down in the British Virgin Islands, and we had a 50-foot catamaran, and I was with another voice actor and a producer and their wives, and we have a great burger place over here called uh, In-N-Out Burger. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's... That's an unfortunate name for a food. Yeah. It's an odd name. <clears throat> it's an odd name. For a good burger. It's wildly, wildly popular. Line around People the from around the country, they fly into L.A. The first place they go is In-N-Out Burger, and they've right. got like three of them around LAX. Right. So, um, anyway, my friend has been the voice of this In-N-Out Burger for 30 years, so I'm in one cabin of a catamaran that's literally on the water, and we have a hot spot. He's in the other cabin, and we are both doing voiceover. I'm doing movie trailer and promo stuff, and he's doing his commercial stuff. And again, I think when you talk about the golden handcuffs, I think it's changed. I think we can do this stuff. I think we can have more freedom to be able to travel and do our thing. And I don't know if if it's really that the companies don't care as much about the audio as they used to. There may, may be some of that. But I also think there's so many new tools now that people can use in post to do stuff mm-hmm. that they... It's just never. It's not an issue anymore. The only thing you can't really do deal with is like if you're in a super hollow space, like really Mm -hmm. reverberant and echoey. That's not good. No. But as long as you kill off the echo, yeah. If there's a little hiss or rumble or whatever, they can fix that so easily in post now. And what I find honestly is that the 416 is just the mic to use in those situations. And I think when you have it in a space like I'm talking about with the cushions and everything, sure. you are part of the blockage of that. So mm-hmm. you're not getting a lot of room noise. Mm-hmm. Though I will tell you, uh, we had one incident in Boston where we had a room where we could not turn off the air conditioner and I was hearing that hiss. Mm -hmm. So my beautiful wife got up on a chair with a stack of pillows holding it up against there. Oh, man. And it was a long session and the poor thing, her arms were like jelly, but that's the support of a a good voiceover wife right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, mostly it works out great, you know? So I think we're in a new era and it's given us a little bit more freedom, which uh, I love. You know, you don't have to find somewhere with ISDN anymore. You can still, you can beam straight in with Source Connect from your hotel room, which is perfect. Yes. And Source Connect is very much like Audio TX. Yeah. The the only difference for me is um, I had Audio TX really before Source Connect had fixed a lot of their... That was out a really long time ago. You're talking about Audio TX Communicator is the name of the app, and that was out... 15 years ago? Yeah. yeah. It works every time like a charm. 
I've never had an issue with it. And in the early days, I did try uh, Source Connect, and there was so many dropouts that yeah. it was an issue. Yeah, it was so. I just didn't days. feel that I should change. Now mm-hmm. everybody's telling me Source Connect is great, and you guys sound great. And so uh, at some point, when Audio TX isn't supportable or something, I'll probably make that move. Yeah, yeah. but well, this is yeah. We're using Source Connect now, which is the one that runs on our browser. Um, I don't think it's being used as so much for an actual set, like an, like a record where they record you remotely. Uh-huh. I think it's being used more for direction. Mm-hmm. So it's like a really high quality phone patch. Mm-hmm. But um, Source Connect is being used more for the... Source Connect Standard and Pro, I think, are being used more for actual sessions. But this thing is great because Source Connect now will work in a less than ideal... It'll work on bad networks... It'll work on um, firewall networks a lot better. So it, it, there's pros and cons between all this stuff. You yeah, know? and I, I, you know, I think it's kind of like the whole beta versus VHS. I think yep. one's going to rise to the top because yep. people are telling me about IPT, IPDTL, or yes. IPDTL. <laughs> yeah, IPDTL, right? Yeah. And people are telling me about VISDN, and they're yep. telling me about other things. Yep. But one of these is going to rise to the top, the same way Source Connect has. Right. Um, though yeah. Reno Romano, a friend of mine, he has a new version of Audio TX that yeah. he just raves about. And I don't yeah. really even know what that is, but he said there's absolutely no delay. Do you know yeah, what that Re- is? No, but Reno is a total closet geek man yeah he tries everything new that and comes he out. loves this is his go-to mm-hmm. is the audio tx the new version which i don't have hmm. but um, i haven't checked it out yeah we've talked about your road rig scott what about your home studio where you are right now how did that come about and what what are you running so you know george is right here and he's built both of my studios do you want to tell them what's here george or do you want yeah, me sure. to tell him well I mean, you can tell him how What's new? What's the same, and what's new in this room? Because this this was an, this you've been in this room for quite some time. Yeah, and eighteen years. It was time for a makeover. Yeah. So what's the before? so I I drew up a design um, that I felt would be more of a cockpit, and I had a number of issues. One was I would have to be out of my studio booth to go press the record, then come in, record, then go out and edit and everything. So George knew that that was something I wanted to take care of. Um, I also wanted to have the ability to have uh, two microphones, so something other than the 416 for when I'm doing something that's appropriate where I could uh, use that mic for narration or, you know, whatever. And so uh, that was something um, I wanted to be able to monitor in the room. Also, this is a weird request, but I am uh, I'm kind of a collector, and I love to have like stuff on the walls around me. It just makes me happy. And so um, I needed to figure out how to get some of the sound absorption off the wall and off the walls in the room. And um, so then. Um, I wanted to um, maybe have access to other sounds of preamps and different things. And so um, really what I had before was just a studio booth um, that had um, my ISDN, my Avalon, and my 416. And now when you walk in, it really is striking because it it looks like a real studio. It looks like something you'd walk into in, in Hollywood. And 
I kind of had just, you know, I had a rolling rack that George got me. I had a, you know, I just had a regular mic stand. I had a music stand to hold my copy on, which I, I didn't even use. Yeah, it was a little cluttered, you know, it was cobbled together, different yeah. stuff. <clears throat> and now I walk in and George just did a beautiful job. And I have this these beautiful built-in cabinets. Uh, I have my beautiful uh, monitor right in front of me that I can record and read from. And uh, as I mentioned before, I if it's not broke, don't fix it. And so uh, I, you know, at a certain point, being at other friends' studios, going, you know what, I should probably really have a real studio. You know, I mean, my studio is working, but let's have a real studio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure that this voiceover thing was going to work out before I spent the money. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, 30 years later or whatever, I have this really gorgeous studio that I just love. Is there something unique about the room, the way you built it or designed it? The thing that makes the room special for us is again we it did have a lot of acoustical panels scattered around the walls which is pretty conventional i mean that's the way we do a lot of booths but you know it ended up that those panels ended up being placed to hang things so then there was stuff tacked all over the panels and it was quite a cluttered and you know there wasn't a lot of room to display things so that was part of the idea is to to reduce the amount of panels on the walls to the absolute bare minimum so now at this point on the wall Flanking his monitor where he's facing is just two two by four foot panels on the wall. That is it. You know, the rest has no wall stuff on the walls. Ordinarily, that would not fly. But the entire ceiling is one gigantic acoustic panel or a panel system. It's a cloud. And it was quite a project to build it. We actually built it twice the first time. It just didn't work. It didn't look as clean it didn't have the the vision that scott had and so we rebuilt it again and now when you look up at the ceiling you kind of don't really see anything you see what you see six light cans in the ceiling you see the air conditioning vent um and then it's it's a fabric ceiling so what you're not seeing is what's behind it which is all the acoustic treatment so it's all behind the fabric and um it well i mean it speaks for itself we have two microphones in here right now so we have two open mics, which is usually a problem in a smaller studio, but we can get away with it here. And it sounds great. It's not super dead. There's a little bit of liveliness in here. The wall behind where Scott is sitting is actually completely open. It's flat. So you get a little bit of bounce off of it, but it's 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 okay. It's just a little lively, uh, just enough. And, which, um, which I actually like. Um, when I first was coming into this room after you did it, I was skeptical that yep. this was really going to work. Yep. But I love the sound. I absolutely love the sound. And I am shocked that we were able to get rid of all these panels. How many panels did we get rid of? I mean, there Well, there was, were like at least 10 different ten. sizes and shapes of panels in yes. here. And so we, we literally have two panels right in front of me just yep. for the bounce. And That's then it. the ceiling takes care of the rest of it. And yeah. it's, uh, I know it's similar to what you did at Howard's place, which was even a kind of... Yeah, there's of, a lot of glass. Well, there's a lot of glass here. I mean, just to my left is a is about a three by three glass window. Glass window? Whoever heard of such a thing? <laughs> and right behind me is, is the door to the booth is a glass. It's got a huge glass pane in it. Most of the door is glass. 
So there's a lot of glass in here. And yet the ceiling, because it's so super dead and damped, it it um it does the trick. So the studio is like a mishmash of old and new. So it's got the old mic, it's got the Avalon preamp, the old Zephyr 9202. I have my hand on it physically right now. It feels like where you'd put your coffee to keep it warm. Right. It's probably <laughs> like 110 degrees. It's toasty. Yeah. But it has a big vent. There's a big space above it to keep, you know, so it can vent. Uh-huh. And then there's the Avalon 737. There's a DAT recorder in the rack, which just DAT in case... Data, that must yeah, be collecting just dust. Archive old stuff. <laughs> well, well yeah. <clears throat> the truth of that is uh, I used to write and produce jingles in Los Angeles. Ah, okay. And so I have a lot of my stuff on DAT. And so I didn't really want to get rid of it because I have, you know... Yeah. A few hundred dats that yep. you know I can listen yeah. to to transfer to digital at some point. Yep. I have a dat and a D eighty eight at my parents in their basement collecting dust for the same reason. This is very uncool, but I'll confess that I have I got rid of my rack mounted dat and all I kept was a portable Sony dat machine, like a yeah. a dat Walkman because I a dat man or just, dat Walkman, yeah. Just like you guys, I have probably three hundred dats from my radio yep. days with movie drops and grabs of songs and acoustic recordings and all that sort of Imagine stuff. Imagine the day you're just dying to play one of <laughs> those right. tapes <laughs> and, the and day you I, can't find a dat recorder. Uh, yeah, either that or it won't work. I kind of figured yeah. out. So yeah, Rubber one belts and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, George actually, uh, for me too, uh, it got me a cassette deck. Oh, well, you wow. had one. I had and one, but it stopped working. Some kind of failure. And so he got me one and... Uh, I I probably have a thousand cassettes, you know. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, because in the early days of voiceover, but what was awesome was I was able to find literally the very first commercial I ever did, and oh, I was man. able to find my first demos and all of that stuff and put them onto my digital on computer, and um, so slowly but surely it's still hard. But I have gotten rid of a lot of those cassettes just wow. going through. And again, I probably have a thousand LPs, and uh, so I have that. George set that up. He's for got me all too. that. He's got all the playback devices you would want. Um, the rest of the gear, we talked about all the different cool playbacks we have. We have all kinds of playback devices. The things that are new in this room, besides the acoustics, are are like Scott said. He has a control surface. I mean, he has a, a monitor, a keyboard, and mouse in here. Which is actually not really a small feat because the control room or his office where his main com- where his computer is, is not right outside the window. It's actually kind of like wrapped around on the other side of the wall. So we had to interconnect all that stuff. It's a logistical challenge because we have a lot of gear in and outside of the studio and all had to be tied together. And the thing that ties them together is a single optical cable. It's a Toastlink cable. Actually, it's a, it's a Thunderbolt cable that interconnects via fiber optic because you can't run thunder, a Thunderbolt more than 10 feet. So it's about a 15, 16 foot run and it's an optical cable. It's like a $200 cable, but it's what allows us to connect the iMac, which is 10 feet away by line of sight and into the studio. And then everything else connects over that through a hub. And then the the center, the center of the studio now, really the main thing that is the brain of the studio and is now your your good old universal audio Apollo. And there's an Apollo twin that's serving as the AD converter and the playback and some processing. Now, Scott just uses his 416 with his Avalon, just like he always has, and that goes into the Apollo as a line-in. 
But then the Vanguard V13, which is the mic I'm talking on right now, it goes right into the Apollo. And now we're using some of the Apollo's processing on this mic. We're right now using the 610B preamp and the Precision Channel Strip for compression. And then we're using an LA2A for a limiter to kind of fatten it up. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It does sound very good. Indeed. And I love the, uh, the, uh, the 2A2, can I just say? Yeah, the LA2 is a, just an amazing piece of gear. But we still have a Mackie 1402 mixer in here. That is still part of the system because it's nice to have a physical box that you can grab knobs and slide sliders. And it's the traffic cop for all the audio. You know, it sends audio to and from the Zephyr. It sends audio to the studio monitors, to the headphone amplifier. And it does all of the routing from one thing to the next. And for me, the hardest part, frankly, was creating all the mixes. So there's a speaker mix, there's a headphone mix, and then the headphone mix feeds the studio control room monitors outside for people that want to listen in. Um, and then... You know, all that has to be done so that they don't interfere with each other. Also, so it's not hard to use. So Scott can easily use everything. And then to be able to switch between the two mics, which is done with the Apollo, um, is done with a mouse. But um, it works pretty seamlessly. Um, it wasn't perfect um, even until today. We did this three or four months ago. Mm -hmm. And we still had, Scott had a couple of wish list items. So I was able to come in here and repatch a couple things, reroute a few things. And, and, and now it, now everything works the way I had intended. You don't have to jump through any hoops to make anything work. It's a very much set it and forget it studio now, which I'm really proud of. I think it, I think it came out really nice. <clears throat> and that's well, the thing that I love about George, even though throughout the years I've learned, you know, a bit, I've learned what I've needed to know. Uh, he really has made this studio so that I can walk in in the morning and flip one button and the whole thing works. I have pictures of everything because a couple of times my house cleaners have decided to right. dust off my Avalon or my uh, <laughs> my Mackie mixer. And I remember one time ABC goes, um, your studio doesn't sound right. I'm like, oh no. oh no. And I look at my Avalon and everything was, you know, completely all over the place changed. But yeah, uh, George had taken pictures and sent them to me so I can always, I have them on my computer so I can always just look and go, oh yeah, this this is wrong. Some of the most disgusting places I've ever been are studios where they will not allow anybody to clean. Yeah, right. And well, they don't either. I, I, have to <laughs> I have to confess that I have a, well, I have uh, five kids, but my second youngest is nearly two. Uh, and usually I've got a lock on the studio door and usually I lock it when I'm not in here, but I've, I just walked out for a coffee the other day and ended up chatting to the wife for 15 minutes only to walk back in to find red marker pen all over my Mac keyboard. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Oh, no. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was nice. So Apple have ne since scored another 99 Australian dollars for me to go up and buy a new keyboard. So. That's not as bad as me taking a Sharpie permanent pen and trying to draw a side uh, pinstripe on my dad's 1969 Saab Sonnet. Oh, lovely. Sports car, <laughs> which was fiberglass bodied, not painted. How so old you were can't you? paint over that. How old were you? I when would you say did that? two. Oh my I would goodness. say two or three, oh probably around goodness. the same age. Oh, <laughs> well, I have a I have a new uh, year old granddaughter, and she's walking around the house and stuff, 
And uh, you can believe that I keep the studio door closed and locked oh, yeah. when she's yeah. around because oh, yeah. she wants to get into everything. So <laughs> yeah, those are the real uh, the real issues, right? But it's interesting you're talking about bare walls. And since we're on the subject of kids anyway, I- I've done the same thing in here because my walls are, well, obviously there is some acoustic treatment, but inter- inter- interweaved with that is, uh, you know, paintings of me and Sophie playing on the swings at the park and mm-hmm. you know, all the other stuff. I think if you're going to have a home studio, let's be honest, that's part of the reason you do it. You want to be around your family. Absolutely. You want to spend more time with them. And I think you need to reflect that in the environment that you're working in. Yeah. Absolutely, because those are the important things. Absolutely. And uh, that's that's the way I feel too. So, you know, I have all these things around that remind me um, of you know, why I'm doing this. I have pictures of my family and and it really was thanks to George uh, for really figuring out this whole ceiling sound cloud that was able to accomplish that because I was just stunned at the sound. Yeah, um, It really, really works and I don't yeah. know why everyone doesn't do this, but, mm. you know... Um, I have a friend that lives down the street named Chris Fries, and he is uh, he's probably one of the top top commercial voices in the country. And and I told him that you did the SoundCloud, and he was so mad. He goes, I didn't know you could do that because he had just spent all this money on custom <laughs> fabrics for his, his uh, wall treatments, and he was, like, irritated. I don't yeah. know if he said anything to you. No, no, yeah. he didn't. No, he, he, we don't have a cloud in his booth, but we have, like, panels that are kind of splayed along the... The, the ceiling, you know? Yeah. But, um, well, maybe that'll be in three or five years when, yeah. he, when he gets tired and he wants to do another remodel. That's another right. job for you, George. That's right. <laughs> so before we wrap this up, Scott, what's the one piece of advice you would give to anybody getting into the industry? I hate to say this because it sounds so cynical, but sometimes I say to people, if you can live without doing this, you're probably not built for it. Mm-hmm. because it is one of the most frustrating hmm. pursuits that I know of because it is, you know, it's just a tough competitive industry. So be prepared that uh, when people call me and say that they want to be a voice actor, I know that they're going to get to L.A., and they're going to find people that really want to be voice actors. So you have to be prepared for that. So, but if you are passionate and this is something that you absolutely want to do, and I've helped a number of people who've achieved some great success in this, um, I I wouldn't call myself a coach, but if somebody comes to me and they really have a have a passion, somebody just came to me recently and said that from the time they were a little girl. They used to play with tape recorders and do voices and all of that stuff. Really? And yes. It seems so rare for a girl to say that. But you know what? Another one came to me a few years ago, and same thing. And I said, okay. And I really gave her a hand and told her, you know, who to study with and all those kinds of things. And now she has she's doing many cartoon uh, shows. Uh, she's... It's not been named yet, but she's the voice of a very new iconic uh, character that's been around for years, but she's the new voice. And and so 
I think there is a difference between somebody that says, hey, I hear that's a great way to make some money, or people have told right. me I have a great voice, or yeah. whatever. I need another income stream. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just not going to happen. It's just, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, I tell people in the States that it's, it's like you just told me you want to be on a major league football team, you know? Uh, you know, on an NFL team, you know, you have to play uh, Pop Warner football, you know, with the kids, junior football, and then you got to play high school football. You got to do all this stuff and go through this stuff before. And then it's only a few that actually make it to the top, you know, that make it to uh, an actual income. And so, but if you are a person that loves this and thinks of it as an art form, you can do this. This is something that you can do if you're committed, you can learn, you can, so many good coaches, so many opportunities. And so, um, but what I normally find is that somebody does a, a demo tape and their family says, oh, it sounds great. And then they get rejected and that's the end of their voiceover career, you know, mm -hmm. um, or they get one commercial and, you know, they have to wait two years for another one and yeah, then they're like all done. One hit wonder. And, <clears throat> but this and, is something, you know. If I, I did a TED Talk recently uh, at Yale and I told my story and I talked about my grandpa's tape recorder, which is sitting right here next to me in my studio. And uh, from the time I was a little kid, I, the first thing I would say is I would go to him and say, can I borrow your tape recorder? I'd go in the back room and pretend it was a studio and record voices. And, and so that's a difference than what most people who want to enter voiceover, like that was inbred in me somehow. Somehow I loved the recorded voice. Mm -hmm. I loved the art form. So anyway, I don't think you... Everybody has to be like that exactly, but I do think that there has to be an, a different understanding that this is not just a way to make money and that almost the voice is is just one of the elements of becoming a successful voice actor. You have to, uh, one of the key things is learning how to take direction or give yourself different direction mm. or not become married to a certain sound or read. You know, and um, so there's, you know, I could go on about that for a long sure. time, but. I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I've also, from what you've just said, I've also got one more question, if you've got a second. Sure. Uh, you mentioned that at the end of every year, the first thing on your list of next year's to-do list is to get better as a voiceover artist. For someone who's been doing it for 30, 40 odd years, what does that look like for you? How do you make sure that you live up to that promise to yourself every year? I will tell you that, um, you know, uh, another great voice actor named Brian Cummings, who's not as active now, but he told me, hey, Scott, you know, as you grow, because I was in my 20s when I started, and now I'm approaching 60 now, and he said, the good news is you're going to have so much life experience, and your voice timber is going to drop and change. You'll actually end up with more range. And he said, it's an instrument, you know? My mentor said, God gave you a Stradivarius, but you have to learn how to play it. And I think like any great musician, you, if you're really wanting to get better, you'll figure out ways to get better. I will listen to people <clears throat> who will give me maybe a piece of direction. I'll give you an example. I was doing this thing called... Oh, 
what was it called? I can't even remember the name of the movie. Clover something, the Cloverfield or... Oh, Cloverfield? Something, Cloverfield. movie? Yeah. The monster movie. Yeah, it was like a monster movie. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the director said to me, I want no voice. I said, well, you came to the right place. (laughs) It's like, you know, you hire a voice actor to have no voice. She goes, no, I almost want nothing. You know, like, just like right here in this place where there's hardly any inflection and any volume. And I thought she was crazy. And then I heard it in the theater and I thought, this is brilliant. And then I started doing that on other movies, and then people started requesting it. And it it became an art form because my mentor Dawes Butler told me, you can touch a word with the same weight as the dust on a moth's wings. It's just enough to make all the difference. And when you're at a low volume and you're working the mic incredibly close, just the simplest weight on a word can change the subtext can change everything. And so that was a a way for me to learn. And then every year, I'm trying new things. I'm trying different kinds of uh, tones and sounds and, and I'll pitch stuff up or pitch it down. But you know, I just I, I just constantly am focused on being better. And one of the reasons I put that on, and by the way, it's not first on the list. Losing weight is always first. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think that by putting it on the list, it makes me aware that I'm not, you know, even though I am a, you know, known quantity in this world of voiceover here in the States, it makes me be aware that everything has value and that I should really take every session and look at each script and make sure that it's the best that it can possibly be. And you know what? Sometimes they're happy accidents. You'll, you'll, you'll be doing a read and you'll go, holy smokes, that's new. That's something different I haven't done. Hmm. And then you might get off the, the session or whatever and mess around with that a little bit and think, oh, that's kind of a cool thing. Like maybe it's just the way you kind of cracked your voice or made it sound a little bit more conversational. Um, was it was it Don who said, and I could be totally off base as who said this, but somebody said like, you know, remember every time you read that script for that trailer or whatever, you're working on to somebody that is the most important project in the world. Yeah. And the other thing Don said that I always caught on to was he said, every movie is the best movie of the year. You know, every movie is the greatest story ever told. Uh Even if it's a crappy, you know, (laughs) B movie or worse. Yeah, whatever. It has to be the best movie of the world because it is important. In that moment. In that it moment, is the best movie yeah. you're going to ever see, and so you you will add your importance and credibility to it, no matter what. So, well, that brings us to the end of another Pro Audio Suite. Thank you, Scott, for uh, spending time with us and uh, sharing your studio and a few stories about uh, working in and out of your studio. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. It was wonderful. And I've got to say, Scott, you do have a lovely voice too. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Now get me my movie promo work, says AP. (laughs) (laughs) That was the Pro Audio Suite. If you have any questions or ideas for a show, let us know via our Facebook, the Pro Audio Suite Podcast.
Trump.